0: You're listening to The Corbett Report. CorbettReport.com
1: Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to another edition of The Corbett Report. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you, as always, from the sunny climes of Western Japan here in November of 2022 with episode 433 of The Corbett Report podcast, CBDC's Beyond the Basics. And yes, exactly as that title would imply, we are going to be talking about CBDCs here, but we are going to move beyond the basics of what I assume my audience already knows about them. And uh, for people who are completely lost, of course, CBDC refers to central bank digital currency, and you will know that because I have talked about and broached this subject many times over the past few years. Uh, but if you do not know that yet, here is the quick way to get caught up on the basics. I got another email recently from someone who said, James, you don't have a search bar on your website, so can you tell me blah blah blah? (laughs) Actually, I do have a search bar on the website. You may have seen me use it even, on screen, once or twice, but if not, here we go. Here we are at CorbettReport.com, which should of course be set as your homepage where you go every single day to check what's new, but... Anyway, if you are looking for the search bar, oh, there it is. And if you're on mobile, it will be underneath uh, this this part. It'll be down at the top of the sidebar, which is underneath on the mobile version. But anyway, here on the desktop, there's the search bar, and you just type in CBDC, and you will get a lot of information. So for today, I think some particularly important reports to highlight and for you to become familiar with would be CBDC's, a country-by-country guide, where I literally go through dozens and dozens and dozens of countries, and where they were at in May of this year with regards to their implementation of CBDC. Another important um, report on this point to highlight is what is programmable money, and we'll be talking a little bit about that later on in this episode and some of the things contained therein. Uh, I would also suggest people take a look at um, my report uh, talking to John Titus, Um, Also, my report on Bretton Woods 2.0, which is going to be buried somewhere in the pages and pages of results that you will get here for CBDC, because I have talked about it quite a bit. Anyway, those will be linked up in the show notes for today's episode, in case you need to to familiarize yourself with that information. But long story short, for today, I'm going to assume we all have the basics of central bank digital currency down pat pat by now, namely that A. CBDCs are coming, B, CBDCs give incredible, inordinate, unprecedented control to central bankers to directly control and intervene in the economy, and C, CBDCs will be used for social control.
2: Today, I am proud to say that under the UK's presidency, the group of the world's seven most advanced economies, the G7, is launching a set of public policy principles for retail central bank digital currencies, CBDCs. Central bank digital currencies could be a digital version of money, a bit like a digital banknote that could be used alongside physical notes and coins. Unlike most of the digital money people use daily today, it would be issued directly by a central bank, like the Bank of England in the UK. And governments and central banks across the world are working together looking into what having a digital currency might mean in practice. So the UK is currently the head of the G7 Group, that's the world's most economically advanced countries. And the UK currently chairs the G7 Group. Our Chancellor, who does our economy, called Chancellor of the Exchequer, his name's Rishi Sunak. He's put out this video. This is all on my feeds, by the way, my social feeds. He put out this video saying that um, what they want to do is bring in this uh, thing called the Central Banking Digital Currency. They want to replace fiat paper money with digital money as a competitor to Bitcoin and crypto money, right? But instead of being a uh, decentralized currency, it will be controlled by a government it's digital currency but controlled centrally through the banks bank of england so instead of having a bank account with whatever hsbc or bank of america you'll have a bank account directly with, in the american context with the fed in the uk directly with the bank of england you have a personal bank account and you're given digital money in that bank account these are called central banking digital currencies the chancellor of the exchequer in the uk has already announced their intention to do this as the g7 group
3: And what we're seeing in the world today, I think, is we are on the brink of a dramatic change where we are about to, and I'll say this boldly, we're about to abandon the traditional system of money and accounting and introduce a new one. And the new one, the new accounting, is what we call blockchain. It means digital. It means having a almost perfect record of every single transaction that happens in the economy, which will give us far greater clarity over what's going on. It also raises huge dangers in terms of the balance of power between states and citizens. In my opinion, we're going to need a digital constitution of human rights if we're going to have digital money.
1: Now, in all our analysis on CBDC, in particular for the use of general, to the general use, uh, we tend to establish the equivalence with cash. Uh, And there is a huge difference there. Uh, For example, in cash, uh, we don't know, for example, who is using a $100 bill today. We don't know who is using a 1,000 peso bill today. Uh, A a key difference with the CBDC is that central bank will have absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that uh, expression of central bank liability. And also, we will have the technology to enforce that. Right. We've all got those basics down by now. Just as Rishi Sunak, the current Prime Minister of the UK, the Chancellor of the Exchequer back in November of 2021, where he made that handy-dandy explainer video where he (laughs) looked like he had a gun to his head and was desperately reading from a teleprompter. Um, Yes, CBDCs are central bank digital currency. And yes, they are a digital version of money a bit like a banknote. <laughs> a bit is doing an awful lot of work there. Uh, it could be used alongside physical notes and coins. And unlike most of the digital money people use daily today, it would be issued directly by a central bank. A very important point that we'll come back to in the course of this episode because I think its significance may be lost on some of the viewership who understandably does not know all of the ins and outs of the banking system and the way it has been engineered to be deliberately quite complex. But there are some important differences in the ways that CBDCs could be developed because when I say CBDC, I am, of course, not talking about one singular concept, one idea that covers every possible implementation of central bank digital currency. No, 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 no. That is that is very much the CBDC psyop in a similar fashion to the Bitcoin psyop that I've talked about many, 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 many times before. People have been psyoped into believing that Bitcoin is cryptocurrency, is blockchain, is CBDC. It's all just this one homogenous concept. It's all digital money, right? <laughs> As they go and spend money through their debit card or whatever, that's... That's not digital money, guys. <laughs> oh, wait. Um, yes, there, there is a lot of nuance to this, and it's not trivial nuance. It's actually important. So, for example, just as one example of the way that there are many, many different ways and shapes and forms that central bank digital currency could take, let's go back to my QFC on the Bitcoin PSYOP where I did raise that particular point. But more seriously... Yes, blockchains that are actually used as blockchains may not even be actually effective tools of control. And that that's an interesting little wrench in people's thinking about this that uh that you can see for example in a recent report on India's digital rupee because, of course, the the Reserve Bank of India is working on a CBDC, as is pretty much every other central bank in the world right now. They're all at different stages of it, essentially. Um, But India's digital rupee may not necessarily be on the blockchain, according to the country's central bank. So yes, here's an example of a central bank digital currency that may not even be blockchain-based. So is it good (laughs) because it's not blockchain? (laughs) Uh, If you want to Get into the details of that. Uh, The report notes that India's finance minister, Nirmala Siddharaman, announced that the central bank will be ready to launch its blockchain-based central bank digital currency, the digital rupee, before March 2023. However, the Reserve Bank of India's executive director, T. Rabi Sankar, clarified on Thursday that the central bank is also open to other technologies. And this report goes on to say, what are the alternatives to blockchain? Blockchains are only one type of distributed ledger technology. In most cases, it is considered to be a permissionless platform. But for the central bank to remain in control of the digital rupee and the notion that most banks would like to prevent their competitors from peeking at their liquidity strategies, it would need a permissioned system for its upcoming CBDC. So uh, what they're essentially pointing out here is that the permissioned versus permissionless is is actually an important distinction. And if that is, as some people would posit, a real distinction between what makes a blockchain a blockchain versus what makes it essentially a database with signatures, well then, yes, maybe the blockchain is not what the tyrants actually want to use for at least some of their tools of control. Can blockchains, permissionless blockchains, be used in nefarious ways absolutely no doubt about it but sometimes no they would prefer to have essentially a database with signatures they want the old-fashioned kind of databases the ones that are closed with the trusted third-party authority in the middle not this open distributed permissionless network thing No, no no not distributed so as you already know yes CBDC does not mean blockchain. Blockchain does not mean CBDC. Let's not create a CBDC psyop in the same way that the Bitcoin psyop has so uh, powerfully pervaded the cryptocurrency conversation and gotten it stuck on stupid for so long. Let's go beyond the basics. So this was a point that I was at pains to stress, for example, in that earlier mentioned article that I wrote um, back uh, last month, What is Programmable Money?, that I will again commend to your attention if you want to uh, familiarize or re-familiarize yourself with this subject matter. But here it is on CorporateReport.com. And of course, if you are not a paid subscriber to the Corporate Report, shame on you. But of course, you can always get the free editorial just by clicking that link. And so if you go into that editorial, you can see that... uh, uh, there there was um, a, a funny chart that uh, the BIS, our friends at the BIS, came up with um, uh, uh, that showed the different Venn diagram, the crazy spaghetti graph Venn diagram of what money is, but uh, that actually does make a certain point that um, there are a lot of different ways that a CBDC could be engineered to take up different parts of the monetary spectrum. So, For example, um, I say from peer-to-peer non-electronic money, example, local currency to universally accessible electronic non-central bank-issued money, example, bank deposits to uh, electronic central bank-issued non-peer-to-peer non-universally accessible money, for example, central bank reserves, money, or at least what most people think of as money in their day-to-day lives comes in an assortment of flavors. And then there's CBDC. As you'll note, central bank-issued electronic money comes in different flavors, from central bank digital currency to central bank-issued cryptocurrency retail to central bank-issued cryptocurrency wholesale and occupies multiple spots on the BIS chart. Is CBDC universally accessible? Possibly. Is it peer-to-peer? It depends. Both universally accessible and peer-to-peer? Well, it could be. You see, CBDCs are not a singular, rigidly defined thing. From the underlying technology used to issue, track, and record these digital tokens to the network upon which they flow, to the protocol that the network follows, every part of a central bank digital currency is customizable. Now, that is not a trivial point. There are some incredibly different ways that CBDCs could be implemented. And if we are only looking for the one type of CBDC that everyone is, I think, rightly most afraid of, then when they introduce some sort of version of CBDC that isn't anything like that, then you stupid conspiracy theorists, you got it all wrong, and you you were warning about these things, but it's not like that at all. Fact check, that's not how it works. So let's forearm ourselves with a bit of knowledge about the different ways that a CBDC could be set up, and let's start with a little Let's start with a little quiz. Here we are on CBDC Insider, which I hope people are following for just the non-stop, never-ending flow of information about various CBDC projects and pilots and all sorts of things that are being launched around the world on a daily basis. This coming from just this past week. Indian Central Bank on track to launch retail CBDC pilot next month. The Retail e-rupee which will be interoperable with existing payment methods, will be hosted by the National Payments Corporation of India. And it goes on to say that the Reserve Bank of India, the RBI, the country's central bank, is finalizing the rollout of the retail digital rupee pilot, the Economic Times of India, reported on November 19th. Uh, the RBI initiated the wholesale central bank digital currency pilot on November 1st to test its usage in settling transactions in government securities. At the time, the RBI had said that the, detail, the, the retail digital rupee pilot would be launched within a month. Wait, there's two different pilots, both for CBDC? What's what's the difference? And And then, well, what's... What does this mean? The New York Fed launches a 12-week CBDC pilot program with major banks. I'm sure you saw this headline somewhere in your news feed over the course of the past week. It made a lot of rounds, especially in the alt media where people are warning about CBDC. The, the, The Fed is launching their CBDC pilot, and here it is, November 15th, 2022. Banking giants including BNY Mellon City, U.S. Bank, and Wells Fargo will be issuing tokens tokens and settling transactions through simulated central bank reserves as part of the pilot. The Federal Reserve Bank of New York's Innovation Center, or NYIC, announced that it would be launching a 12-week proof-of-concept pilot for a central bank digital currency, or CBDC. Uh, in November 15th uh, announcement, the New York Fed said the program would explore the feasibility of an interoperable network of central bank wholesale digital money and commercial bank digital money operating on a shared multi-entry, multi-entity distributed ledger on a regulated liability network. Banking giants including BNY Mellon City, HSBC, MasterCard, PNC Bank, TD Bank, truest us bank and wells fargo will be participating in the pilot by issuing tokens and settling transactions through simulated central bank reserves okay this is the point at which 99 percent of the audience will have already tuned out but wait again what What is it? What what on earth does this mean? Interoperable network of central bank wholesale digital money and commercial bank digital money. What is this talking about? Wholesale CBDC, retail CBDC. Is this an important distinction that's being made here? Yes, it is. And it's high time that we collectively smarten up and start to understand a little bit about how the banking system is engineered, so that we can understand some of this impenetrable gobbledygook that they throw at us to bemuse and 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 utterly obfuscate what is actually going on when it comes to the banking system and how it actually works. Now if you want more on that, I will direct you to my very recently released How BlackRock Conquered the World Part Two, where I talk about the going direct reset and the various machinations by which BlackRock essentially began dictating to central banks around the world how they would prepare for the next economic downturn that took place one month after BlackRock issued their proposal. And you better believe the central banks did exactly what BlackRock was saying. So more on that concept, which goes into the split circuit monetary system. So guess what, guys? We're in a crash course in uh, banking today. And we're going to do it in the, I think the. The easiest way possible which is to go to a john titus video i uh recommended in that recent how blackrock conquered the world part two article i will recommend it here again he has done a number of videos that i think um help to explain this for the layman but there is a split circuit monetary system that very vastly oversimplifying to make it e- e- easy to understand there are two main circuits in the banking system of money there is reserve money, and there is retail money. And those two circuits are not supposed to cross over. Um, And there's a whole system with regards to that, but rather than having me explain it, why don't we listen to John Titus explain it from his very interesting and highly informative and very much worth your time and attention video, Larry and Karsten's Excellent Pandemic.
4: The split-circuit monetary system. To be clear, we are talking about a circuit. Two circuits, actually. But circuit implies electronics. Um, That's what we're talking about. Electronic money. um, Digital money, another way of putting it. What we are not talking about is cash. You just heard Carson said they hate cash because they don't know who's using it. They don't know what they're spending it on. And the totalitarians, they don't like that. So we're not talking about cash here today. We're talking about electronic money and how that control is going to be implemented. What is a split circuit? It's exactly uh, like it sounds. It's two different circuits. Uh, one circuit I'll call the retail circuit. That's our circuit that we use to conduct our business. And the other circuit is what I'll call the wholesale circuit. That's really um, a, sort of a bookkeeping circuit, uh, which I'll, I'll explain. But the the retail circuit is, is private and it's a private, uh, circuit because the issuers of money in the retail circuit are private entities. Uh, they're commercial banks. And in the wholesale circuit, the issuers of money are, at least in theory, uh, public. That's the, the official story is that, that public entities, for example, the Federal Reserve in the U.S., uh, issue money because it's really that, that right to do that issuance of money is a is a sovereign uh, right belonging to a nation, and in theory, the Federal Reserve is the <laughs> I laugh when I say it is the agent of of we the people, just a ludicrous notion. But be that as it may, that is the official story. So the wholesale circuit, the issue of money is public. It is the Federal Reserve. The team colors I'm going to choose here are red for the for the retail circuit, the private circuit, and we are going to go with a uh, you know, oblique blue for the wholesale circuit, which is, like I say, it's the bookkeeping circuit uh, that really kind of is, is meant to sort of settle transactions in the private circuit. But I'll talk about that in a bit um, as we go. The private circuit. Let's take a look at that. In the private circuit, as I say, the issuer of money is commercial banks. Commercial banks issue money. They create it out of thin air when they lend. And then that money is circulated among bank money users, um, some of whom have taken out those loans and then they pay that money back. The money is destroyed. New loans are created and the loans get bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's just how the system works. So now let's look at the circuit of uh, people who use that money. And let me let me answer a question or address something really quickly about uh, commercial banks creating money when they lend. You might be saying, well, I have electronic money in my bank account or checking account and I didn't take out any loan. So you'd be like me. I don't, you know, it's, I didn't borrow the money. So what are you talking about? That's true. I didn't borrow the money. You didn't borrow the money in your account, but that electronic money sitting there, if you could trace it back to its source sort of in a, a Genesis begat, begat, begat sort of way, and you went up the chain, you would find that the source of that money, it originated in a loan. Um, there's no question about that. So even though you didn't take out the loan yourself, you're using money that was it originated in to be sure. No doubt about that. Okay. Who uses the retail bank money circuit? The commercial banks issue the money. Who uses it? Generally speaking, the users of retail money or bank money are non-bank entities. So businesses, we're talking about mom and pop businesses, industrial businesses, commercial businesses, really, really any business is not a commercial bank, including, you know, financial businesses like, you know, hedge funds and And insurance companies, they, they are part of the, they, they transact business in retail bank money. That's one big class of users. The other, um, major class of users are just people, people like you and me, just to, uh, finish off that circuit with a bit of cheese there. Um, that's, that's the retail bank money circuit. Um, and that completes the circuit. There are 4,357 commercial banks issuing money. Um, that's a bit much for the for the criminals, uh, the totalitarians to control. They don't like that. That's too many to control. Uh, that number, by the way, comes from the FDIC's uh, quarterly statistics at a glance report. There's other. There's over 4,000 commercial banks um, in the U.S. all chugging away, issuing money. And that completes the private circuit. Now let's turn to the public circuit. As I said, the issuer of money in the public circuit uh, is the Federal Reserve. It issues money when it uh, does anything when it when it wants to buy an asset it just you know writes basically a check against nothing and begins buying assets who is in and that that's what it's done since 2008 um it's it's it, the federal reserve just it creates money out of thin air just like commercial banks do who is using money in this circuit uh broadly speaking there are three classes of users there are central banks like the european central bank and the bank of japan Um, and so on, Bank of England. Uh, That's one class of users. The other major class of users, the second, is the U.S. government, including, most importantly, the U.S. Treasury. And finally, uh, far and away, the biggest user um, of money in the wholesale monetary circuit is commercial banks. So they appear in both circuits, but here they appear in blue and with a square around them. The square representing the fact that they are using money in this circuit. They are transacting in blue money. They are not issuing blue money. Blue money is issued by the by the Fed. There are not 4,000 issuers of, of money in this circuit. There are only 12, the 12 being the regional Federal Reserve Federal Reserve banks. So the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, the Bank of San Francisco, Chicago, Dallas, so on. There's 12 of them, but really there's one. It's the New York Fed. The New York Fed is the only one that has a trading desk. It's a permanent member of the Open Market Committee, the other 11 are just appendages. There's really one, but um, officially there are 12. And really, it, it's considered the Fed, like I say, as a public entity. But it, the point here being it's a much smaller group of, of issuers, even if you were to count uh, all 12. So that really completes the public circuit. And we'll see what that money is doing since it doesn't get in the, in the retail circuit and we can't spend it. You know, Why do we have that circuit? I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but that's it. Let's talk about, and both circuit, by the way, are in dollars. They're both, uh, you know, the money circulating is in dollars. It's denominated the same. Um, but there's a different, a bit different nomenclature associated with each type of money. In the private circuit, it's sometimes called bank money because, um, commercial banks issue that money. And in the public circuit, it is called reserves. Um, it's issued by the Federal Reserve. It's called different things in, in different jurisdictions. But in any case, both of those circuits, we have deposits. In the retail circuit, you and I have deposits sitting somewhere at the 4,357 banks, and there's more deposits than that because there's some banks that aren't commercial banks. But that gives you a sense. There's a lot, you know, hundreds of millions of deposit accounts. The aggregate of the deposits at the commercial banks is reported weekly in the Fed's H.8 report that is tabulated on Wednesday. It is reported on Thursday. So if you want to know, you know, the total amount of money in deposit on deposit at commercial banks, go to the H.8 report. And you can see it there. The Federal Reserve uh, account holders. So the central banks and the U.S. government and commercial banks themselves, they all keep deposit accounts too at the Fed. Um, but those accounts are being held at 12 different regional Federal Reserves. Thanks. And that the sum total of deposits by holders of accounts at the Fed is reported, also reported weekly. It is reported in the H.4.1 report. Again, it is tabulated on Wednesday and it is reported on Thursday. Um, so that tells you right there that it is indeed a split circuit. There's two separate reports to track the deposits at the two different tiers in our monetary system. Um, and those two tiers... You know, people think of the monetary system as being one-tier, and that leads to a lot of confusion. There's two. Rest assured, we'll see this. Um, but let's look at the split-circuit monetary system maybe another way, graphically, um, to underscore one key point about it. So here we have split-circuit monetary system, and on the left, we have the public circuit where I'm going to simplify the diagram. It's the Federal Reserve issuing money to commercial banks, and it is circling back to the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve might buy an asset from a commercial bank, which turns around, sells it back to the Fed. That's a basic stripped-down circuit. The retail circuit on the right um, in red, commercial banks are issuing money. Again, I'm going to simplify this. They issue money to you and me. Um, they issue it in the formal loans. We pay the money back, and the cycle begins anew. Um, and that's really the system. I wanted to do this diagram, though, because you could see here, um, in the center of the diagram, the commercial banks Occupy a special position in the in the two tiered split circuit monetary system. they are both uh, issuers and users of money in the center here, so you could really draw a box around them now. you and I in the retail circuit, we keep our money on deposit at the commercial banks, which in turn keep their money on deposit at the fed so there you have two different systems of deposits and there's a couple things worth noting here. One, uh, deposits in the retail circuit, those are the deposits that go would go into the, any really anything. They make retail purchases, including purchases in the stock market. Okay, so if you want to drive up the equity market, you need to control the retail circuit. The wholesale circuit's not going to do you any good, at least not directly, because nobody transacts um, in, in reserves. The second point worth noting is that the Fed... Um, for a very, very long time, only uh, indirectly controlled the amount of deposits. Obviously the Fed can control completely control the blue deposits in the wholesale circuit. but its control over deposits in the retail circuit um and money in the retail circuit is was limited historically limited because it was tinkering it would what the Fed would do is tinker with interest rates on deposits in the wholesale circuit and that so it would in that tinkering with with interest rates on deposits in the wholesale circuit would cause in sympathy an interest rate increase say in the retail circuit and that would limit the number of deposits it would tend to restrict the number of deposits because at a higher interest rate no one fewer people are inclined to take out loans so it was a very indirect system of control um and that has changed that changed under the cover of pandemic um that has changed very much. But the feds, the, the the totalitarians, they don't like this system. They want direct control. They're going to get rid of the public uh private distinction. They are going to um change the two tier system and then replace it with a central bank digital currency system, um, in which the commercial banks are no longer going to issue money, um, and so that you can dismantle the channels of uh, the monetary channels there. And eventually what you're going to end up with is a system where our deposits, uh, they're going to be on deposit with the Fed and you'll have one circuit here. The Fed will issue money to you and me and um, that will complete that circuit and we'll have one big uh, happy totalitarian system and that will be that. That is where we are headed. That is what Carson's is talking about.
1: Now, you'll excuse the length of that clip, but as I think you can see from having watched that clip, it is it is just the type of subject that's going to take a little bit of time to elaborate, especially because, as John Titus noted at the beginning of that clip, uh, we have largely had all of this information occluded by the banksters, in whose interest it certainly is to keep us in ignorant of how the banking system works and how it's set up and that there's two monetary circuits and all of this structure. Oh, details, shmeetails. You just get these pieces of paper in your wallet. That's money, right? Don't think about the way the system has been set up because then you might actually stand a chance at derailing our plans or at the very least trying to discover different ways of transacting with each other, right? So it is important that we do understand these. These are not mere incidental details. These are actually very important things. So let's go back to that those articles that we were reading before and see if we can use this knowledge that we just gained from that clip, courtesy of John Titus. Asterisk, if you are not subscribed to John Titus via Substack, via Odyssey, via BitChute, via other channels, uh, you are missing out. So please do follow his work. John Titus is doing some great work on this and other subjects. But let's go back and see if we can apply that knowledge that we just gained from him. For example, let's go back to that CBDC Insider article on Indian Central Bank on track to to launch retail CBDC pilot next month. Right away, we now understand, oh, retail CBDC. They're talking about a CBDC that will be transacting in our side of the economy, the type of CBDC that you and I would have access to, that presumably we would have some kind of wallet issued by whom? issued directly by the central bank or maybe they would appoint commercial banks or other non-bank entities to steward over the wallets and there there would be some intermediary there there's a lot of ways that could happen anyway this retail e-rupee which will be interoperable with existing payment methods so again there are digital ways of paying already through your debit card or whatever. Um, So that's going to work together with this CBDC somehow. It'll be hosted by the National Payments Corporation of India. And oh yes, okay, so now I understand. There was a wholesale central bank digital currency pilot on November 1st. This is the retail pilot that's about to start. These are two separate pilot programs that presumably maybe will be two separate entities if and when they both get implemented, if they do get Implemented. You'd have a retail CBDC and a wholesale CBDC, but maybe they could be the same thing or they could interact together. Many, many, many different ways that this could play out. So this is. This is just the way we start to understand what an article like this is even saying to us. And similarly, we could go back to that Cointelegraph article on the New York Fed launches 12-week CBDC pilot program with major banks um, where they announced the 12-week proof-of-concept pilot for a central bank digital currency. What kind of central bank digital currency? Well, they're exploring the feasibility of an interoperable network of central bank wholesale digital money and commercial bank digital money Operating on a shared multi entry distributed ledger. So, again, we're talking about presumably, again, is this two separate entities, a digital, uh, a wholesale digital money and a retail or a commercial bank digital money, and how they're going to play together on the same distributed ledger, and what kind of distributed ledger? Will it be a blockchain? Well, not necessarily. Uh, again, there's lots and lots and lots of different ways that this can be implemented. So, we have to understand that. What people are thinking when they are, I think, again, rightly concerned about the nightmare future of a CBDC, where this, the central bank will be able to directly control what you're purchasing, isn't necessarily the way that they are going to implement it. And um, and when and if we get caught warning of that thing, this is what it's going to be like. And when it doesn't turn out to be that thing, people go, "Ah, oh, you're just crazy. Um But here's an interesting little moment of aporia from which we can learn even more about the very many ways that this can be implemented. We're going to look at a little article from the ABA Banking Journal. That's the American Banking Association uh, uh, Banking Journal, uh, talking about New York Fed releases pilot exercise for wholesale CBDC. And you would think, oh, the bankster class, the ABA, is going to write about the New York Fed's CBDC pilot. Of course, they're banksters. They love this. They're on board with it, right? Wrong. So reading from this, they're talking about the Federal Reserve Bank of New York today published research demonstrating how a wholesale central bank digital currency could deliver significantly faster cross-border transactions. Oh, right, because as we saw from Titus, that wholesale circuit involves, for example, the other central banks like the ECB and the BOJ for when you have cross-border payments and you're going to have to settle at the central bank level between reserves. Oh, you have a wholesale CBDC for doing that, so it's a lot faster than having to settle the old-fashioned way, right? Oh, I okay, I get that. But then it goes on here to, to say the American Bankers Association has raised numerous concerns about implementing a retail or intermediated CBDC that were not addressed by the New York Fed research. Among other things, the association has said that a retail or intermediated CBDC would serve as an advantaged competitor to retail bank deposits, ultimately moving money away from banks and into accounts at the Fed where the funds cannot be lent back into the economy. Wait, wait, if I didn't know any better, it sounds like, it sounds like there may be different competing factions amongst the bankster class and their interests do not always converge and in fact sometimes may go in exact opposite directions, meaning that not all banksters are necessarily on board with a retail CBDC. Have I got that right?
0: Since the 1950s, the share of bank loans as a percentage of GDP has been relatively stable. At the same time, non-bank loans and securities have risen sharply. This means the role banks play in financing important businesses is receding. And that's not all. The way people move and spend their money is changing too, thanks in part to a new class of mega-apps from China. One of the most popular is Alipay from Chinese tech giant Ant Group. It has over a billion users and handled 16 trillion dollars in payments in 2019.
4: I am Alipay, I have a dream to create a world where mobile payment replaces cash payment.
0: Rather than using bank cards to make payments, Alipay customers carry out transactions by loading money into digital wallets. They can then do anything from buying lunch to investing in stocks and shares, all without leaving the app. And rather than paying expensive international transaction fees to their bank, Alipay users can also use the app overseas.
3: You're already seeing this, um, even, in, even in America, you know, Walgreens in the States, except Alipay. This sort of new digital payments uh, ecosystem sort of completely disregards nation states and national borders.
0: It's not just Alipay. Facebook is developing its own digital currency. And Amazon is also working on financial services. Some worry this could concentrate too much power in the hands of a few tech companies. But for central bankers, the problem is even more acute. They fear these developments could cut the cord between the central bank and the economy altogether.
3: The super apps in China, they now, they started off just doing payments and now they do provision of loans. They do provision of investment services. They provide insurance. You know, they do all the things that banks do. Central bankers feel as though their sort of ability to... Oversee and conduct monetary policy and oversight is, you know, fundamentally slipping away.
0: So some central banks have taken radical action by creating their own digital currencies to rival the tech giant's payment systems in the hope this will secure their grasp on the economy.
3: Central bankers' level of discomfort is potentially prompting them to sort of act to change this, you know, economic system, the monetary system that has underpinned uh, modern economies for, you know, 250 years.
0: China is one of the largest economies leading the way by trialing a digital yuan. You might have heard of Bitcoin or other digital money that is supposed to disrupt finance. But digital currency issued by governments in this way might be even more radical. Here's how it works. Most central bank money is held by commercial banks as reserves against customer deposits. You can only access a small amount of this government made money via physical notes and coins, as this physical cash is issued by the central bank. In the UK, banknotes are even signed by the chief cashier of the Bank of England. A central bank digital currency, or CBDC, is a bit like digital cash. ...as it gives the consumer a direct relationship with the central bank. So, in theory, instead of keeping your money in a commercial bank... ...you could hold all your money in the Federal Reserve or the Bank of England. CBDCs are only being used or trialled in a handful of countries worldwide... ...but they're growing fast. 80% of central banks are considering issuing them in the future.
3: Bank for International Settlements, which is a club of central bankers, says that uh, within three years, a fifth of the world will live in countries that have this central bank digital money.
0: This could change everything. If everyone put their money into a CBDC, then fractional reserve banks could potentially be out of a job.
1: Are you starting to see this picture developing now? it's almost as if this isn't just one monolithic control structure in which everybody is working towards the same vision and agenda for the same purposes and all they all have the same incentive and they are all following the same game plan. No, there are different competing power structures that benefit in different ways from different control structures. So that, for example, the benefits of a direct retail CBDC for central banksters who wish to truly control every aspect of the economy and be the middleman in every interaction, every transaction that is happening in the entire economy should be obvious. Because at the moment, the only direct expression of central bank liability, to use Augustin Carsten's, eye-wateringly boring term uh, in the retail economy for for the central bank is the notes, the bank notes that we have been trained to think of as that's what money is, right? And of course, for American listeners, it's going to be U.S. Federal Reserve notes, obviously issued at the behest of the Federal Reserve. In Japan, if you happen to be very rich. You might have a thousand yen in your pocket. Woo! It sounds like a lot. It actually isn't, but a thousand yen, for example. The note, of course, issued by Nippon Ginkgo, the Bank of Japan, and bearing the uh, the likeness of Hideo Noguchi, who, as I hope my listeners know, was the Rockefeller Institute researcher who infected orphans with syphilis as part of his experiments, and he's honored, of course by the Japanese government although i believe they're changing the banknote in 2024 but this this is the expression of central bank liability in the direct retail economy at the moment but in a cbdc world well this really outdated technology ooh it's got that thing in the middle where if you hold it up to the light you can see the picture and you know things like that the anti fraud anti counterfeit measures but it's a pretty it's a pretty outdated technology you can't track where that expression of central bank liability is, who it's being held by, where it's been, where it's going. You can't know anything about it. You can't go in the middle of it and stop that from transacting. So again, the the benefits for central bankers for a CBDC should be obvious. But central bankers aren't the only bankers. There are the commercial bankers. And if the central bank starts getting into their space and starts suddenly, now people are transacting in retail CBDCs, why are they going to their bank? And what? imagine if this retail CBDC started to basically replace the, uh, the bank money that is being created into the economy by the commercial banks, or, or at least significantly displace that bank money. What would the commercial banks do Well, suddenly people are being paid in and storing their money in CBDC wallets. They don't need the commercial banking sector anymore. And they're also feeling the pressure from big tech who are coming in with their payment apps and payment systems. PayPal was a very early sign of what was to come because PayPal knew and figured out very quickly that, hey, if people kept their, keep their money on this platform, then we can move the money around internally within PayPal and we can basically be a bank without being a bank. So suddenly you've got all of these other payment apps and, and different ideas for basically horning in on the commercial banking space by these big tech players as well. There's there's a multivariate m- war that's going on right now, and that is one way of envisioning this. There are different I- interests that are warring not for the benefit of you and me, obviously, but because they want to they want their slice of the the Ponzi scheme pie they want to make sure that they get what's coming to them so they will they will be at odds and at loggerheads on some of these issues, and this comes to the surface at times, and from a more macro perspective, those those good central planners who know that the best way to control people is to have a system where a lot of people have a stake in controlling the population rather than to have one central monolithic structure that's going to try to plan literally everything in the economy, that's that's a very easy system to destabilize and ultimately topple. But if you have lots of players at the table, that's why this is like an interwoven thread. And you have the commercial banking sector, and you have the non-financial entities, and you have the central banksters, and they all have a seat at the table to work together to control the population. And if you suddenly introduce retail CBDCs, it might break. It might... Unravel that thread and thus unravel the entire tapestry. This is why, as you may have seen, again, flit across your news wires and perhaps not understood the significance of what was being said or why it was being said, this is why, at a recent uh, convening of the Digital Euro Conference, joy- jointly organized by the European Central Bank and the European Commission, just a couple of weeks ago in Brussels, why the uh, ECB executive board member Fabio Panetta was opining on spending limits for a proposed theoretical coming digital euro. If there is going to be a direct retail CBDC in the eurozone, well, we're going to have to put limits on how much you can spend, how much you can hold in your digital wallet. And why Why would they do so? Wouldn't they want the 100% market share of absolutely controlling every retail transaction that's happening in the retail economy? Why wouldn't they? Oh, because they understand that if they start tinkering with this, they might collapse the the commercial banking sector as it exists and completely destabilize banking as we know it.
5: We are also discussing the maximum amount of digital euros that each individual user could hold. Why? Well, because if we give access to a means of payment like the digital euro which is riskless, uh, perfectly liquid, no transaction cost because you only need to have a smartphone, then there would be a risk that people could use this possibility to move, for example, their deposits out of their banks or their money out of financial intermediaries. And this, especially in crisis periods, could cause financial instability and we don't want to do this. We want to introduce a means of payment for transactions, not as a store of value. So what we are discussing is the possibility of introducing limits for individual users. For example, we have been discussing one among many numbers, 3,000 euros. If you, in the future, will be nice enough to use our digital euros, you will have the possibility to store in your device, in your uh, smartphone, up to 3,000, 2,000 digital euros. Beyond that, you cannot go. You can spend, but you cannot uh, hold um, in, in your uh, in your device more than a given amount. Otherwise, you could simply transfer your bank account in your uh, telephone, and that could cause instability, again, especially in crisis uh, times. But uh, There are other ways in which you can safeguard financial stability, but the the idea is that a digital euro would be an additional option for payments, for retail payments, and not uh, a challenge to the function of the financial system.
1: Thus sprach Fabio Panetta of the ECB, and I suppose he's right, it really could destabilize the whole banking sector if they do this in the wrong way or if they just let it go willy-nilly. So the more power and control the C- central bankers control for themselves and bring in for themselves, the more they destabilize the entire financial system as they've set it up, which may not be something that they're looking to do. So they may do some things like introducing spending limits and and even uh, holding limits for CBDCs to actually, in some w- ways, disincentivize or at least reduce the desire for CBDCs themselves because maybe they don't want 100% control for themselves. Again, many, many different ways this can be implemented. This also explains the much more reserved... Uh, uh, thoughts of Jerome Powell at the very same IMF live stream from which the now thankfully infamous clip of Augustin Carstens, the uh, rotund executive director of the Bank for International Settlements, where he was salivating over, oh, we'll be able to control this expression of central bank liability and we'll be able to control every transaction. At that exact same live stream, Jerome Powell, the the, uh, chair of the Federal Reserve, was... Sounding a much more reserved note about the possibility of CBDCs and their introduction in the United States.
4: And I'd like to start by
1: saying, right, uh, that we are committed to carefully and thoughtfully evaluating the potential costs and benefits of a central bank digital currency for the U.S. economy and payment system, as well as for its international implications. We've been actively participating with other central banks and the BIS in that work, and we feel that that collaboration has been very productive. We have not made a decision to issue a a CBDC, and we think that there's a great deal of work yet to be done, as well as extensive public consultation to be had with all stakeholders before making such a decision. Now, it's quite obvious why the Augustin Karstens clip would go viral or viral within alternative media circles anyway, but that Jerome Powell clip never will because it doesn't seem to make sense from just the sort of glossy, the shallow understanding of CBDC, oh yeah, digital money, bankster control. And if we don't understand wholesale versus retail and the way those two monetary circuits operate and the commercial banking role in that and the, the grander structure of this, then we'd never understand. Well, Here's a central banker who's hesitant about the possibility of a CBDC. Why would they be? It doesn't make sense. He must just be lying. Uh, that's it. No, there may be very uh, deep reasons for the the way that they are uh, really tinkering with the fundamental system of control of the world, which is the monetary system, which is the base of the entire pyramid of control. Uh, if they start tinkering with that, it could literally collapse their pyramid of control, which is why I think people like Powell and Fabio Panetta and others are very, very hesitant about it, and why commercial bankers and the American Banking Association is saying, hey guys, uh, there's some big problems with this retail CBDC uh, proposal. So again, there's there's a lot to consider here, and we can't even begin to make sense of these stories. We will not even, we'll be able to read a story like, oh, uh, the Uh, the Bank of India is introducing a CBDC pilot, but we won't even understand that story because we do not even have the vocabulary to understand the basics um, that gesture towards really important things about the monetary system. So in a sense, there was, of course, the Bitcoin PSYOP, Bitcoin, blockchain, crypto, digital, whatever. It's all the same. It's all one thing, whatever. Who cares? Who cares about the details? Or in a sense, there's the CBDC PSYOP, well, whatever, CBDC, it's just this thing, and we know what it is, and it's this one thing, and it can only be implemented in this one way. Well, no, actually, there's many, many different ways that it can be implemented. In a a way, there's the bankster psyop. The banksters are just this one monolithic class, and they are all the same, and they all are reading from the same hymn book, and they are all working toward the same one agenda with the same one vision, and they're going to do it, and they're all working together. No, there's different classes that are competing with each other and jockeying for control, and all of this is happening. And I guess the common thread between those various PSYOPs is that it's always about dumbing down the conversation to a level where, essentially, it doesn't really matter what your opinion is on these subjects because it's so ill-informed that you do not understand what it is that's really happening. And you never will until the change happens and you're just swept along by it. So, of course, this, as always, brings us back to the question okay, when we do become better informed on these issues, and there's still much, much more to talk about, obviously, with CBDCs. And I hope people will start actually diving into it. And I would love to hear from the researchers in the crowd who are going to dig into the actual Project CEDAR research um, uh, report, for example, or the the Project Hamilton report um, from back in February of this year. Or if you're not in the United States, if you're in India, Tr- you should be tracking the RBI and what it's doing with its various wholesale and retail CBDC pilots. Or if you're in Canada or if you're in Japan, there are, I would really like to see some of that real research going on into what is actually being proposed and what f- what f- phase and stage of development it is. But once we get to that point, of course, the, the real question is, well, okay, what is our role in this? Because I don't happen to be uh, sitting at a central bank, making these kinds of decisions. And I'm guessing most of my audience isn't either. What is our role? We're just, we're just handed these, whatever, scraps of paper or cards, or eventually some sort of wallet that we'll download onto our app that, hey, who knows what it is or how it works or expression of central bank, what whatever, who cares? It's money. Um, well, if we don't want that to be the case, then we have to be actively working on developing alternatives or Finding different ways of transacting with each other, which of course brings us smack dab right back to what I've been talking about for years now. For example, solutions, survival currency. Again, if we do not understand the problem, then we will not understand even the solutions that are on offer. Oh, cryptocurrency, that's all digital and that's all, that's a CBDC. That, it's all the same. So who cares? Who cares how it's being generated or under what protocol or in what way it's coming to me or how I'm interacting or transacting with other? None of those details matter. Well, wrong. They do matter. Or if your solution to this then is, well, then just cash, cash everything. Problem solved. Well, okay. Cash is the the expression of central bank liability that already exists in our retail economy, that's what it is. That's what those banknotes in your, the Federal Reserve notes, the Bank of Japan notes, the ECB notes, whatever it is you've got in your wallet, that's what that is. That's coming directly from the central bank. So, in a sense, maybe you're on team commercial banks because commercial banks like this current system whereby, yes, you get these these tokens, these pieces of paper that are issued by the central bank, but you get them through the commercial banks, which are banking at the central bank, right? And the commercial banks like that system. So are you on the same side as the commercial banks? Maybe you are. And maybe, maybe that is a better system. Maybe it it's better than having a CBDC retail. But again, we have to know about the details in order to understand what it is we're working towards and what the solutions are. So I know this is not the funnest coolest, oh, it's conspiratainment, guys, you know, whatever. Ooh, what's trending on conspiracy world today? No, this is not. This is not fun. This is research. This is learning about the way the world works. But this is this is the meat and potatoes of the way the world is heading in the coming years, decades, centuries, ultimately. Um, and if we do not know about it, we are so going to be absolutely inundated by this tidal wave of change that is coming. We won't even know what hit us until it is well washed over us and we're already swept away by it. That being said, as always, there will be a ton of show notes for you to follow today to start familiarizing yourself with this material and diving in deeper. I hope you will do so, and of course, as always, Corporate Report members are invited to report back to headquarters. Leave your your comments, your research, uh, what have you dug up on these various documents that we're talking about, or Um, some of these issues. I would be interested to hear your feedback at CorbettReport.com. That being said, we're going to leave it there for today. Thank you for joining me, as always, and I'm looking forward to talking to you again in the very near future.